I know a guy who just blew up his family, um, left wife and kids because he doesn't believe in God anymore. And I know a guy who has just put his family in some really, really tough financial um, position, really, really, really bad financial decisions. And all these stories are rolling in in the same like 10-day period. And you know a gal whose struggles have just kind of brought her to a point where she's really isolating herself. She's difficult to be around and friends just don't really know what to do with all of her sort of constant struggles. And as we come into this week's podcast, I just find myself wondering, what do we do? Like, how do we, how do we be the kind of people, how do we become the kind of people that don't blow our lives up. So welcome back, everybody, to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of October 2nd. It's the first week of October. Happy October, Alan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hard to believe we're in October, right? Yeah, man. Time is flying. I just wanted to, I wanted to tell a couple of those stories before we take our pause because I don't want the pause to become so routine we forget what it's for. We live, we live in a lot of crazy, and the world is racing all around us. So we just got into the practice of opening the podcast each week with let it all go, everybody. Let it all go. Let's, let's make this moment, this time together, something out of time, something out of the crazy. So let's do that, everybody. Let's just take a minute and pray. Lord, I give everyone and everything to you, including the people now that I'm thinking about who are blowing their lives up or look like they might. I just release all that right now to you. There isn't anything I can do about it right now. So I release everyone and everything to you. And I just take a moment, Jesus, to find you again, ask you to meet me here in this week, in this podcast. Let this be a time where we really connect, Lord. And I pray that you would restore my union with you because I am just a branch and I am in need of life and love and nourishment and strength and everything I need this week. Come restore our union. Amen. Gang about. I don't know, five months ago, Alan? Yeah, yeah, about half a year ago. Yeah. We started doing a pretty cool thing where if if you subscribe to our daily reading or you're on our email list, I send out to our tribe, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the friends of Wild at Heart, a Friday weekly update. 
I just take my iPhone every week and riff on what I'm seeing or what I'm praying or where I am in the world, if I'm overseas, you know, and it's a really fun way to share what I think's going on. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I think it's the best kept secret of what we do right now, which is why we want to make sure you know about it if you're listening to the podcast, because wherever John is that week, yeah, you get a four, five, six, seven minute video of if you were sitting across from him and he was telling you what's on his heart, what is in his you know mind for what you need to know for this particular moment in time, you get that in these videos. Yeah. And, and it's a one take, it's conversational, it's not highly produced, it's intimate. And it's, it's just what I found I need every week. And it comes Friday morning, so it's something I can watch before I go into the weekend. It's super helpful. Yeah, we're getting really, really good feedback. So if you'd like to receive those, uh, there's a link in the show notes here where you can get on and sign up for the, for the Friday, the weekly videos that I'm doing. So a couple of weeks ago, I was riffing on some data out of Barna's research that they had put together, accumulated data that they had kind of synthesized and really kind of did a deep dive into polling data, research on faith, trends, that kind of thing. And I had made the comment that 25 million people have left the faith in the last 20 years. That number is mind-blowing when I hear you say that, 25 million yeah. in how many years, roughly? 20, 20, years, 20 since, years. Since 2000, basically. So the data they were analyzing was 2000 to 2020. So it's a 20-year period. Um, and I actually want to I want to even correct that or, or highlight that even a little bit more because the actual data is nearly 50%, 47%. So it's like a it's almost a 50% loss, a 50% of people, of practicing Christians have left the faith in the last 20 years. Or, or, or at least there, there has been a 50% decline in people who would call themselves a practicing yes. Christian. So that could be for a lot of reasons. Right. Um, but that's a staggering number. I mean, that's that's millions and millions of people. Okay. It's like almost like a mega church every single day. Yes. Walking away. And we don't, we don't know all the reasons why they just no longer identify as, you know, respond to surveys as, yeah, no, I'm a deeply committed Christian. And here's the things I do. You know, I take faith seriously. I attend church regularly. There were some, yes. some factors that they put into the research to get to that data, but that's, that's just pretty staggering. Well, it is because you think it's not just something that's a curiosity, but it is a massive hemorrhaging of what's been going on in the world. You look at, you look at Christians and you say, you know, John, does that mean half no longer are going to church, so half have walked away from the faith or half have been disillusioned or half, like what we don't know fully, but we do know whatever's going on, it seems like isn't working for people. Yeah, and it's not insignificant. It's not like, well, that's kind of, you know, a couple thousand people a year. I mean, if you're, if you're into millions of 
North right. Americans. I think it's a North American survey. That's just really, really significant. And it lines up with the things we've been talking about here on, on the podcast for the last couple of years of, we think this is a really rough time on the human heart and on the human soul. We think the the pace of life, the amount of technology, the exposure to trauma, the unprocessed personal trauma. There's just a lot of human vulnerability, I think, in this hour. Yeah, I agree. And you said earlier in the introduction, you know, that that all the lives that you saw that were blowing up. And when we look at it from the outside and see what happens to, to people we know or hear about, we do see it blowing up. But I think for the people, oftentimes it's this erosion over time and kind of an internal just hopelessness or giving up. And so nobody you know, sets out to blow up purposely. Yeah. But over time, I think they start to say, if this is all there is, I just can't do this anymore. And I don't know what to do differently. I just know it's not working. The yeah. old ways aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. But it was in the context of the weekly video that I started raising this issue of, hey, there are some pretty significant trends. I think that there's also this wave of spiritual warfare that has been sweeping the human race now for a couple of years that we've talked about. And it's all it's all culminating in this. Um, but back to um, blowing your life up. <laughs> Or not. Um, so we did a fascinating exercise the other day as a team. We do a quarterly vision day, mm-hmm. half a day, uh, as a as a team here at Wild at Heart. It's really, really healthy, and it's really helps us stay current with one another, current with what God is doing in the ministry, current with what our friends are doing out there in the world. And a couple of weeks ago. I guess it was last week, we we did an exercise at our vision day where spontaneously in front of the whiteboard, I've got the marker and I just asked the team, I'm like, okay, l- let's brainstorm. What does a person need to survive in an hour like this one? Like not to become one of those data points, yeah. right? What does a person need not to blow their life up? or their relationships, or their, you know, their walk with God, their health, their future. What does a person need to survive and even thrive in an hour like this one? And then then we just started, I just started putting words down on the board. It was a fascinating exercise. It was. So many comments from the, the various people on our team that just were insights into what had been life preservers for them in the last few weeks, months, and then we riffed on it. But yeah, super rich. And and not only that, but the team was asking you later, John, like, hey, don't erase the board. Like, we, we want to keep this. We, we, we need to take a picture of this or we need to hold on to these things. Yeah. So we did take a picture. Somebody did. Took a picture of it. And we're going to post that in the show notes too. But before we get into that, I want, if you're not driving right now, I guess even if you are, you could pause I want you to pause the podcast and ask yourself, yeah, how would I answer that? What does a person need to not get taken out? What does a person need to survive and thrive in an hour like this one? And 
part of how I got the team thinking about it was, well, think of the people you know who have blown their lives up in the last year and why, like what were they missing? What wasn't part of their plan? Right. So I would recommend, you could do this as a family. You could do this as a small group. If you're in a ministry team, I really recommend you do this. But honestly, you could just pause right now and and ask yourself, yeah, how would I, how would I answer that? What do I think are kind of the essentials? Yeah, but when you pause, I would say first clear your mind of the quick stereotypical answers. Quiet time, yeah. you know, uh, prayer. Like, yeah, we're not saying don't have times that's quiet and have prayer, but but lose the traditional quick answers and ask yourself what really is helpful in, in true practices. Yeah. What are you finding that you need? And what are you noticing that people who are not doing well or, or have taken the, the collapse to the point that they've blown their life up in some way? What was missing? So that was the exercise we did. We want to we riff on this a little bit. Um, and first, just read. Let's, let's just read from the list, Alan. And here's what we mean. So just words on the board coming from different team members, um, words like integration and daily practices. Yep. Words like orientation and worldview. We're going to go back and riff on some of these. Conversational intimacy with God and worship how to fight, and what it means to be divorced from the world. Yeah, people need, bottom line, people need maturity. They need holiness. Yeah, full surrender and union. Yeah, union with God. So that's not the full list, but that's, that's a reflection from a group of people whose life and work it is here to heal humanity to, you know, we, we, we just hold some very, very core convictions around here that your humanity matters very, very deeply. It matters to God and that the redemptive work of Jesus in the world is centered around the rescue of your humanity and, and wholeheartedness and restoration, which is why somebody like St. Irenaeus could say, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that could sound like really narcissistic in an hour like this one. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. I just want to live my life to the full. <laughs> you know, that's what it means. I'm going to, you know, have dinner with my friends and then go to my yoga class. And I'm, I'm just going to do everything. And I'm going to buy a new car. And I'm going to take a longer vacation. And Make everything wonderful this year, right? Right. It's not quite what Irenaeus was. No, I don't think so. Was naming, yeah. but what what he meant is the glory of God is man fully alive because it brings glory to God. It is the presence and evidence of God at work in the world when people's lives are being healed through union with Him. And it sure doesn't bring glory to God if His beloved sons and daughters experience absolutely no rescue. Right. 
I mean, if, if, if we have the same sense of hopelessness and fear and burnout and numbing that our neighbors have who don't know Christ, something, something's not right with that. So yeah, us being fully alive with the hope of Christ and us being fully alive to those we love is a very counterintuitive almost rebellious thing in light of what most people in the world are feeling right now. If we can be that, that is the salt and light, you know, yeah. that is the hope. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago that the world health organization, you know, they kind of watch global health trends and they put burnout for the first time ever on their roster of like serious mm. global trends that, that, Burnout was like way at the top now of of global human condition. Yes. Okay. So how do you how do you live? How do you thrive in an hour like this one? We just started thinking through what does a person need in you know things like integration and orientation and intimacy with God and knowing how to fight and um, we're going to put the whole list in the show notes, but. Again, fr- friends, I really encourage you, make your list, make your list. Yeah. And then ask yourself, is my life centered around these things? Hmm. L- like, am I seeking it? Is, is, my, is my dailies, is my, you know, my weeklies? my monthlies, my annual, it does, if you looked at my year, you'd say, oh yeah, yeah, he's really chasing those. She's really grounded in those things <laughs> because I don't think we are. Like, I think we could, I think, I think most people could probably name a number of really, really helpful things. But then you look at the list and go, huh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really chasing that. Right. I mean, in a way, it's like looking at a list. If, if you were somebody that went to the gym and, and you were trying to find a program to really strengthen your body and, and you start listing what you need, well, you'll find out as you go, actually, I, I don't need as much of this, but I need more of this and I've never done this. And, and it starts allowing you to create a very intentional plan because without intention, I mean, if I don't have intention, my day is just random and and I probably don't get to much of any of it, yeah. right? So yeah. this to me, you know, people can create their own list, but for us in that meeting, it was very orienting and intentional to go, wow, like, you know, I may be doing really well with one of these or two of these, but full surrender or, you know, name whatever else on here. Yes. I need to hear more about that. I need to yeah. learn more. I think the gym analogy is really good because most people don't start asking questions until they get hurt. Yeah. Right. Like right. I'm a runner, but now I've got, you know, plantar fasciitis or, you know, I've got Achilles heel issues or, you know, kind of now, and then you go to a, a, a trainer or a physical therapist and you say, what do I need to do? Yes. So it's usually when the pain kicks in, right? You go to the gym, you are working out with weights and, yeah. and then you, you know, you throw your back out and that's when you realize, oh, you're not, you're not doing this right at all. You're, you're yeah. actually stressing your body. Yes. Let me, let me give you some advice, right? It's usually the pain. Oh, yes. And there's also the guy you see who has, 
huge biceps and pencil thin legs. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. you got the bicep part down, dude, really good. <laughs> well, your legs and other body parts, let's, there's some yeah. missing parts that you need to work on. You are not a balanced individual. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to pause here and riff now on a few things that we listed because we went through that list pretty quick. Um, let's name Let's name some of the things from the list again, Alan. What first off, let me just ask you, what stands out for you? Yeah. The one for me, and I believe this was the one I named because I've been trying to dive into it more lately, was really what it means to be divorced from the world. Um, that for me has been missing over the years. So so what I mean by that and what we talked about on that is how do you pull back from the distractions and the constant busyness and the constant demands of a full schedule of what the world says you need to be whole or, or to be seen or important or whatever it may be. How, how do you divorce yourself from that? And it, and it requires a little bit more of a monastic way of looking at life, which is I'm going to let a lot of things that the world says important go. I'm going to tune out a lot. I'm going to not do as much of maybe the, the big loud frenzy of social gatherings. I'm going to clear my calendar a little bit more. I'm going to have more times where there's silence, more time for thoughtfulness, more time to hear God's voice, but it isn't anything the world ever applauds you for doing. It's not anything that most people around me in my case thought was normal. It was kind of like, are you okay? Are you, you know, and, and I was more than okay. Actually, I was, I was not becoming a hermit. I was pulling away from the distractions so I could feel more in tune with what God was saying to me and to sense his presence in some different ways. And then to be more fully present to others that mattered. So that's, that's just a quick overview of the divorce from the world, but hang on, don't, don't move past that. Cause that's big and you're being too gentle with it. I'm going to come in a little more forcefully. Okay. After nine 11, the, the terrible tragedy, you know, both in New York and in Pentagon, but also in that Pennsylvania field where the plane went down, they did a study on PTSD and Alan, they discovered that people who watched it happening on their televisions experienced the same PTSD as people who were there in New York. Wow. Okay, just folks, just let that sink in for a moment. And this has to do with the brain's inability to differentiate visual experiences from personal reality. Okay. It's why we go to movies. Why do movies work? Well, you, you check out, you, you get lost in a story, so to speak. Right. And yeah, man, you're watching the latest, you know, Tom Clancy thing, or, you know, your adrenaline's through the roof. You come out of there and you, it's like, you've got to go work out or something to just get that all out of your body. So here's the thing, Alan's suggesting, yeah, get out of the chaos. And, but the world is damaging your soul every day. The world is traumatizing your soul on a weekly basis. 
to be exposed to the amount of news and information. And we've riffed on some of this in the past. Mm -hmm. So there's been a dramatic increase, for example, in anxiety disorders in the last 25 years, particularly among women and particularly among young women and, and teenage girls. And the other day I was thinking about an unrelated piece of data that I think is the explanation for it. So we're just, now we're going off in the weeds. Can I go off in the weeds Please, for a second? Yeah. So there was this British anthropologist named Robin Dunbar, this guy who did, uh, not, a, not a follower of Jesus, a really interesting guy, he did a, a long series of research on the size of human villages across human history. He's an anthropologist. Um, but also this kind of the size of the cerebral cortex and the human brain. And he came to the conclusion that human beings are designed to live in communities of 150 people. You are not meant to know the heartache of the entire world. Your soul is literally not designed for it. I think the increase in anxiety is because the world is too big. The world is too big. You've got these young girls who are online and, and you know, scrolling through their feed and what their friends are yeah. doing and then this tragic thing and this cute picture. And it's just, it's, it's just too much. Mm. And so you were pre presenting it in a very gentle, hey, this is really good for my soul. I just want to come at it from the other side and say the world is harming your soul on a daily basis. What will you do about that? And that, that was why, so yeah. I, don't, I forget who put it up on the board, but that's why one of the staff said, look, you, you know, among the, among the things a person needs to survive in an hour like this one, you, you really have to learn how to divorce the world. And it is a divorce because we're so flipping attached to it. So everybody knows now from the recent podcast that I, I came back from a sabbatical in September. Alan, the first thing I discovered, so here I am, fresh back from the sabbatical. I, I was just immediately met with the world and what I was able to see because I had been divorced from it for a while. The world is distraction and sedation. I just want to sedate myself to bring down those anxiety levels and to bring down the stress and all that. Yes. I just want to sedate myself with videos and distraction and buying stuff and whatever the popular news is of the day and the intriguing little scandal. I'm just going to sedate myself. And then it's just constant distraction. It's just, bah, 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 you know, things that were bombarding you. So this isn't a podcast on the world, but as an example, you want to survive, you want to thrive, yeah. divorce the world. I was the one who put up on the board integration and let me explain why and yeah. what that means. So, to be a human being after Eden is to be stained glass. We, we are, all of us, fragmented in our humanity. And it, it's fascinating. Like, you know, brain research now is showing this, that there, there, there are portions of our brain controlling portions of our personality that don't even talk to each other. It, wow. It's like you're a household in there, <laughs> but somebody's mad at somebody and they got their door <laughs> locked. Like we are, and this is this Isaiah 61. This this goes back centuries. You know, I have come to heal the brokenhearted, the leb shabar, right? Uh, 
the, the fragmented human being. We are all fragmented. Yes. And in our fragmentation, that is where we are vulnerable. And so I can be cruising along, doing really well in my life until one of those unhealed fragments shows up, one of those unconverted places. And those are different things as we riffed on recently, right? There are places in me that yeah. need healing and there are places in me that need conversion yeah. or repentance or, you know, surrender. But to be fragmented and, and, and not to be progressing towards wholeheartedness is to be very, very vulnerable in an hour like this one. Because then something comes along that presents itself to you as comfort. It's just going to make you feel better. And yeah, you're going to gravitate towards that. And, you know, back to one of the guys I know blew his life up, like it might be an affair, might be a sexual comfort, but to somebody else, it might be food, alcohol, sports. Working you know. out twice a day, yep. whatever. It, yeah. Yeah. And so integration, oh my gosh, like. I don't, I don't want to say one of these is the key to all the others, but I would put integration pretty high on the list yeah. of, man, if that's not part of your orientation, if that's not something you are seeking, cooperating with, participating in, I don't, I don't think you're going to make it. I just think that it's, it's too hard. Well, it's Lincoln. Right, Abraham Lincoln's famous address when he says, "A house divided against itself cannot stand," quoting Jesus Christ. Right. Um, civil war destroys a nation. Civil war destroys a human soul. Right, and so you don't want to be a collection of parts. <laughs> <laughs> so during somebody's daily practice, if if integration is near or at the top. Well, in the last two weeks, we had a podcast series called The Rest of Our Salvation, yeah. where you go into the two various parts, the self-life and the broken places. Yes. But for right now, just how would somebody in a daily practice, if they say, yes, you said, John, I need that. I haven't really explored that. What would be a thing you would tell them to do? Yeah. To try. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Because it lets me riff on something else for a moment. So um, last spring, I think, it might have been last winter, I was, I was on an online panel on soul care and trauma. Um, and there were a number of just really, really brilliant people on there. And, and it was highlighting some of the new research and in practices and uh, a lot of mo most of the people attending this were therapists and like you know here here's this new modality you can use with your clients and that kind of thing and Alan is I was my I began to get more and more upset mm. and I didn't know why I mean just internally there was just this I was getting upset and what it finally came out to me was this and I, I said it in my closing comments. Um, I said, look, we, we cannot embrace a model that only if you have a brilliant therapist or you can afford a $5,000 trauma intensive, you can get well. 
that is a horrible view of God, and it's a terrible view of the world. Because what do you what do you say to to people in in developing countries that have no access to those resources yes. and, and wouldn't be able to pay for them if they did, right? Like yeah. that is such a Western model of wellness. Um, here, here's the good news, gang, to Alan's question. What do you do in the dailies? God has been healing human souls for thousands of years without any of the new research. <laughs> okay. I think the new research is helpful. I've benefited from it, so I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying God has been healing human souls for thousands of years. That's our hope. Okay. And, and what it is, it comes down to when these places present themselves. Suddenly you feel eight years old again, you know, as you're going to a family dinner or, or you're in your boss's office and you're like, whoa, things are, you're like really afraid for your job. And suddenly, you know, you feel 12 again. Um, you invite Christ there. The soul is healed through union with Jesus. And so in that exact moment, you say, okay, Jesus, I am anxious. I am angry. I, I'm withdrawing. I'm checking out. I'm dissociating. Um, help me right now through union with you. I invite you into this fragment of me. I invite you into my fragment itself, but particularly this one right here, right now that I'm experiencing. And he comes. He comes. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in, Jesus promises. So integration, divorcing the world. You, gang, do you hear the examples? Like we're, we're describing a life yes. that is not out of any of our reach. It's right. not. But, but it's a series of choices. It's almost like a new, well, the next word I had down on mine was orientation. But that's not, I was going to say it's like a new orientation, and it is, but I don't remember who put orientation on the board. Do you? No, I'm not sure. But what what they went on to talk about is, is that if if you do not have your bearings, so now we're riffing on another one. If you don't, if you don't have a worldview, if you don't have your bearings, if you can't name with some understanding, oh, this is what's going on in the world right now. And I'm I'm that way I I know what to pray, or I don't have to cooperate with it, or just get sucked down the rabbit hole. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, Alan, back during back during COVID, and and then the the um, the presidential, the U.S. presidential elections. There there were videos going around that friends of mine were were drinking from and it was a Kool-Aid that was so freaking wild. You know, conspiracy theory stuff. You know, and this is going to happen and then all oh, this is going to come out and the whole thing's going to be exposed and kind of and it never did. Um like if you don't have orientation, you're going to fall into somebody else's storyline. Right. Right? Right. Somebody's going to sell you a story uh, and a salvation story. Right, you know that your your favorite leader is going to save the world, or you know, this new nutritional program is going to save the world, or you know, right. And and I've seen another kind of orientation that is happening, which is not so much the conspiracy theory, though that's raging right now, but also the 
the story that I'm in is the story it's always been and always will be. And I just kind of want to work in my garden in the afternoon and I want to have peace and calm. And it, it just, to me, that is a very naive view of life because it takes no account for the time we're in for such a time as this. Oh. And so, yeah, when you're talking about orientation, I think we all have to ask ourselves: is our orientation toward the next thing on social media that's trying to stir us up? Or is it a, I just have my own story and my own story doesn't, whatever's going on out there is just kind of arm's length, which neither one of those is an orientation toward God's story. Exactly. Exactly. The story of God has been, is now, and always will be the story of the world. Is that how we see things? And are we checking in with God right. to say, okay, where are we? What do, what do I need to know, Lord? It's the beautiful passage in John 15 where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, because the servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I'm letting you in on everything I'm doing. So there's this beautiful intimacy with God that's available to us that, that helps us bring orientation. Okay, so maybe last one for, for now. Um, conversational intimacy yeah. was put up on the board. Um, why, is that, why is that an essential and not just like, oh, that would, that would be cool I would love to experience that. Those would be fun experiences yeah. versus, no, 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 this is life and death. Oh, it's foundational because if we don't, as God's sons and daughters, believe we can have conversational intimacy with him, then we are left in a world, as you've said many times, like either the Bible provide stories that are examples of how we walk through life and live with God through what we see with Daniel and Joseph and David and Esther and all the others, or it's a book of exceptions. They got it. We don't. We just get the stories. And so, mm. John, this to me, in my walk with God, the book that transformed and the teachings from you, my life more than anything, has been walking with God which is a book about what it means to have conversational intimacy, mm -hmm. to be able to talk to God, to hear his voice, to, to be fathered by him in that way through what's going on, rather than just looking for open doors, closed doors. I think this, I feel this, but to be able to say, God, give me your interpretation. Give me your words for right now. There's nothing I think that's more important and I think from so many believers, this has seemed like uh, the exception or the only only John Eldridge can do this, you know, and a few other people. But I mean, no, I, I maybe hear one thing kind of from God, maybe every five years, and you just can't go through life that way. No, it's pretty dangerous. This is a list of things people need in order not to blow up. It's not a list of things that would be cool to have yes. for a fun life because you don't want to be burning precious years of your life. You don't want to be burning through emotional energy 
in things that God is not in. He's just not in it. A trip he's not in, a job he's not in. Like he, he, you got you got to walk closely. We we have to walk closely. We have to ask, and we have to learn how. These are all cultivated things. It's not just a switch you flip. Integration is something you just turn on and off, right? Orientation isn't something you just get once. This is a this is a series of values, priorities around which we build our lives. And learning to hear the voice of God, like, wow, it's just crazy how many people get themselves. So it, it's just the now what? Let's just start with now what? Now what do I do? Like, now, now my son's got this learning disorder. Now what do I do, Lord? Or, yeah, our church actually did just blow up. Now what do I do? Now what do I do, God? Or that person that I thought was so wonderful and trustworthy, they just found out, you know, they were sexually abusing their staff. Now what do I do? Like everybody's got a now what do I do, Lord? Everybody yes. has that. Now what do I do? Right? That's where you need conversational intimacy and, and taking time and listening and cultivating. And then you ask him to confirm it. It's just as simple as that. You say, okay, I think I heard something. Um I, honey, I think I think maybe we're supposed to go to this new church now because of what just happened, you know, in the sexual thing at our church. So I think I heard, but let's get a confirmation on that from the Lord before we make a big, you know, yes. before you make huge life changes or, you know, changes for your children's education or whatever, ask God and get confirmation. So anyway, friends, the list is in the show notes and it's just, it's just something to look at and ask yourself. Is my life oriented and centered around these things for my well-being and and survival? And if not, then let, let's get it so. Let's make it so. Right. right? That's it's the most important thing we can do in a time like this. There it is. <laughs>